Let's thank the Lord again for what he's doing in Costa Rica. Amen. We celebrate, we're honored to be connected, one family in so many different nations, and really God has one family and one body. And when one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice together. It's great to get a glimpse of what God's doing in Costa Rica. Amazing things around the world these days. And we are starting a new series. That bumper video right there is kind of a tease. It's going to be progressive. We've got some stuff in the series that we're going to reveal, some surprises, but we're in the book of First Peter. If you brought a Bible today, you can turn to First Peter, or you can find it on your phone. I hope that during this series, you'll take time to read through First Peter. It's a great read. It's not that many chapters, and you can read through it several times. Dive into God's Word, and our faith is built up. The theme of this series and also this book, Living Hope. Jesus is our living hope. Let's pray together, and we're going to pray from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'm going to read this to start our prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, As you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you bring hope into our lives, a hope that is real, a hope that is deep, a hope that is greater than the challenges in our circumstances. And Father, we want to open up our lives to you. We ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. We, we don't want to walk around empty, God. We believe that you have a full life for us, full of the Holy Spirit, full of your presence, full of your word, full of hope, full of joy. God, fill us. We need you desperately. And, and we rely on you fully, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is our living hope, and we see his hope through the stories of different people. In this series, we're going to have glimpses of Peter's life, and you see hope as you look at other people's lives and how God is working in their life. Now, when you consider Peter, he's one of the 12 apostles. He's in the inner circle of three that Jesus spent the most time with. And then here's an important part of his life in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. It's a declaration of hope. And it's kind of a turning point for Peter. In verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And there's a declaration of hope by Peter because he's identified the most important thing in life, and that's to know Jesus, to know who Jesus is, to trust him, and to put him first in your life. And Peter declares who Jesus is, even though there were many that rejected him, many that were confused. There's a declaration, and then Jesus hears this faith, and then there's this personal hope. Jesus changes Peter's name from Simon to Peter, Petrus Rock. You think, wait a second, Peter, because you might know a few things about Peter. In the Bible, there's really not too many people that you see more flaws than Peter. He's certainly in that group of most flaws. And what does Jesus say to him? Rock. Well, what does that tell us? Find your identity in Jesus, not in your failures, not in your flaws. Those don't define you. Find your identity in Jesus. The only one that really matters is how God sees you. 
accepted, forgiven, loved. He says rock because he sees Peter's potential. God sees your potential for this year. God sees your potential for the next 10 years. God sees it and he speaks into it and he declares hope, the plans and potential that he sees in your life. There's a personal hope that Peter receives. There's also a global hope. There's a hope for the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is Jesus saying? There's an intense battle spiritually. The church, the people who are following God around the world, there's an intense battle. This year, more than any other year that I can think of in the last 25, there's been more challenges, more stress, more change, more uncertainty, more loss, more division, more strife. You name it, the church has faced it. And what do we take in in the middle of all this? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church will stand. The kingdom will grow. God will not be stopped. There's a victory here. There's a message of hope here. And in Peter's story, and we're going to unpack more of this, we see that Jesus is the living hope. Jesus is our living hope. And let me ask you, what is the song of hope in your life? What song are you singing? The people who know you well, who spend the most time with you, they know the song that you're singing. It comes out. It comes out in your words. It comes out in your attitudes. It comes out in what you say, what you write, how you respond to people. It comes out in your nonverbals. You are always singing a song. Every day you're singing a song. And God wants to give us hope, to fill us with hope, that we would sing God's song of hope, the song of Jesus. Now, I remember reading about this bird in San Diego. His, the bird's name is Fluffy. And Fluffy's owner went into the cage trying to clean up the cage and vacuum a few things in the cage. Well, Fluffy got sucked into the vacuum. If you own the bird, you do not want this to happen. Fluffy went right into the vacuum and the owner panicked and reached in and pulled out Fluffy out of the bag with all that nasty junk and gunk all over Fluffy. And looking at now the dirty bird, rushed Fluffy over to the water, faucet, Put Fluffy under the faucet until Fluffy looks clean. But now Fluffy's soaked, drenched. So pull out the hair dryer and blast Fluffy until Fluffy's dry again. And then just put Fluffy back in the cage. And then being asked, how's Fluffy doing? The owner says, Fluffy's okay, but Fluffy doesn't sing as much. Do you ever feel like that? Like what you've been through in the last year, like you're okay, you're here, you're in church, but you're not singing as much. Like something's changed. We all need living hope. And the main message today is that you can't control your circumstances. Ultimately, none of us can really control our circumstances, but you always choose your song. Every day you wake up and you choose your song. Not your circumstances, but your song. And this first chapter, as we open up 1 Peter, it's a song of hope. And I hope that you hear this song, that you feel this song, that this song grows, that during this series, as we go through this book and God speaks to us and what the Holy Spirit imparts, that this song of hope would grow. And let's take a look at 1 Peter, the introduction, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Peter is the human author. The Holy Spirit writes all of Scripture. And Peter is writing to scattered strangers. Scattered amongst five Roman provinces. I won't read the names again, but you can picture in Asia Minor back then, today it would be northern Turkey. Scattered. Why scattered? Persecution. As you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that Christians are beaten, flogged, thrown in jail, killed just because of their faith. Persecution's picking up. Nero in 64 AD, he, the Christians became the scapegoats and the blame for the challenges. And here's why he persecuted the Christians. A couple things. Number one, their purity. Personally, their purity. I pray that Christians would stand out in this culture because of purity. That there would be purity in the church, holiness in the church. Followers of Jesus standing out because of their purity. Also, another reason they stood out, because they were servant-hearted. In the home, back then, there would be a male leader that could be a tyrant, that could beat anyone, that had that kind of authority, and it was violent at times. And these followers of Jesus in the home, the homes were different. It was a servant leadership. And not just in the home, but in the community. Christians were serving. They valued humility, and humility was not a value in the culture. They stood out. They were counterculture. We need to be countercultural in how we serve people, the hands and feet of Jesus. They also stood out because there were pagan temples, and it was very lucrative. A lot of money was made on religion. When religion's corrupt, there's a lot of people trying to manipulate it and make money. Well, as more people turned to Jesus, less people went to these pagan temples. There was less money for the, the bogus business in the idolatry. People made idols, sold idols. Financially, things are going down. People get upset when things go down. If people turn to Jesus right now, Min businesses like human trafficking, pornography, drugs, like the business is going to go down if people turn to Jesus. And then lastly, they wouldn't bow down to Nero. There was no emperor worship. And the emperor, because he wasn't worshiped, just declared they're traitors. And with all this adding up, it was time to kill Christians. And they were scattered. Strangers. Strangers in two ways. One, they left their home. They left their home. They were forced away from home. Can you imagine being forced away from your home? I think of how many kids right now in the foster care system that need a forever home. Home was not safe, and they're taken out of their homes, and now they need a home. They need a forever family. They need a home. And they were driven away from their homes because it wasn't safe. They were being killed because of their faith. They were scattered. But also, they weren't home in the sense that this is not our home. Folks, this is not our home. And maybe you felt it more in the last year because maybe before the last year, things felt even more comfortable, more cozy, just how you liked it, the routines and everything felt in place. And then all of a sudden this year broke out and you're kind of like, I don't think this is my home. It's not your home. It never was your home. This is not our home. We're not home. And Peter's acknowledging when he says scattered strangers, two things. One, we're not going to be here long. There's a sense of temporary. And also, there was a sense of kind of foreign, out of place. And when you're suffering and you're not at home and you're not in your comfort zone, that can be difficult. Maybe you've been to another country. 
Maybe you've been loved in another country. When I lived in Zimbabwe, I couldn't have been more loved by the people there. Amazing people in Zimbabwe. So much hospitality, so much generosity. I felt their love. But I also was very sick in Zimbabwe and nearly died in Zimbabwe. And I'll tell you, it's one feeling when you're far away from home and you don't have family, you don't have friends, you don't know if you're going to live or make it, and you're far away from home. And, and that's a scary feeling. And maybe you've been far out of your comfort zone, and there's threats, and there's dangers, and there's challenges. And that's what it was like to follow Jesus. That was the situation that so many were in. And I'd say, bottom line, it was lonely. It was lonely. Have you felt lonely lately? Maybe you've got a likes on social media. You got friends on Instagram. You got some people you hung out with more, but maybe you're not getting as many hugs. You're not having as much face-to-face time. Maybe you don't have the same sense of community. Maybe you're getting persecuted for your faith in social ways, in relationship with your family, at work. Maybe you feel lonely in different ways. Maybe leadership is lonely. How do you feel lonely? Well, here's the first principle. Let your loneliness drive you to God. Let your loneliness drive you to God. The persecuted Christians, beat up, cooped up, sometimes lonely, feeling out of place, driven to God. God is still here. God is still faithful. God is still good. And that's Peter's heart as he writes this. The tone of this letter and the purpose of this letter is to comfort and strengthen and encourage. And how does he write this? Just from the beginning, he's talking about the Trinity. We are Trinitarians. We worship one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And right away in this introduction, we see the Trinity. And Peter chooses words, and one of those words is chosen. Chosen is a powerful word. It means you're selected. In God's foreknowledge, he selected you. Even before you were born and existed, before he knit you together in your mother's womb, he already chose you. In his foreknowledge, he wanted to be with you. Maybe you have some experiences growing up and sports and the playground during recess, and you were the one that nobody really wanted to choose. You were not the first choice or the second choice, and it was kind of like the same people every time at the end. It's like, well, no one really wants to choose us. That's not how God feels. God desires you, wants to choose you, has chosen you, and your identity is in him. Peter's emphasizing this secure identity, chosen, selected. And and this would be radical because in their minds, they would say, well, the nation of Israel was chosen, the covenant, the prophets. No, no, no. We're not just talking about a chosen nation, the nation Israel. We're talking about you personally have been chosen. Say, well, our lives are torn apart and we're mistreated and we're undervalued. You need to understand that your value is not based on how people treat you. Your value and identity is found in the God who loves you and chooses you and secure. Uh, We have a generation right now that more than ever is not growing up in church, not growing up in the word, not growing up in homes where there's the love of Jesus. And they need to know their identity is in the Lord. And there's acceptance and forgiveness and grace and security. You don't have to chase an identity or make it or manufacture it. You're chosen. Also, Peter writes, sanctifying the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Every day, you know what God's doing in your life? He's sanctifying you. What does sanctifying mean? That means becoming more like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? He's revealing your blind spots. He's chipping away at your character. He's shattering your pride at times. He's rebuking you. He's working. You say, well, what is this working that he's doing? Can I trust it? You can trust it because he's making you more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing that. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. 
And then here's the context. There's an abundance of grace and peace. None of this is based on merit and effort. It's based on love. It's based on God's great love. And where sin abounds, we don't want sin to abound. But in Peter's life, in Paul's life, sin abounds. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. There's an abundance of grace and peace. And you can tell just from this introduction, Peter's not saying, hey, what's up? How's the weather over there? Is your team winning? Oh, hey, did you get your favorite food? That's not where Peter's starting out. Peter's starting, he's preaching. He's excited. He cares. There's the tenderness here. He cares about people who need to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. And he's writing to them, scattered strangers, just like us in many ways, scattered strangers. Now here's the heart of the letter. And let's take a look at verse 3. This is a song. This is a song of hope. And starting in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power into the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And here's the tension then, and here's the tension today. On the one hand, we've got living hope, the resurrected Jesus, and we have a living hope that is powerful. And at the same time, what does Peter say? You suffer. Don't we suffer? In many ways, we suffer. And then Peter adds, all kinds of different trials. I mean, if you listed all the ways you're suffering right now, emotional, relational, financial, uh, different problems you're trying to solve, problems around you in the culture, you would say, yeah, there's suffering in all kinds of ways. Don't diminish or deny that suffering. And that's the tension. Living hope, suffering in all kinds of trials. And in that tension, uh, hope prevails. Living hope is stronger than the temporary trials that we have. I want you to think back to World War I and Armenian Christians. Now, a lot of people today aren't aware of the massacre, but there were Turkish forces in World War I that started to kill Armenian Christians. You say, well, how many? About a million. A million. World War I. You say, well, what was the response of the Armenian Christians? They would pray. They were really powerless in a sense. They had no place to go, no place to escape. But one after another, villages, massacres, and they would gather together and pray, and they would praise God, and they would worship God, and they would sing, and they continued to praise God. Even they were losing family and friends and in brutal persecution. You know, over the last 100 years, more Christians have been killed than all of history combined. And not just the Armenian Christians, but you think of places like Uganda, uh, you think of places like China, Russia, North Korea. Persecution's intense in many countries today. We need to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in the Lord and remember them in prayer. You say, well, how, how do you cope with such an intense persecution and so many challenges? Look at Psalm 34. David writes this, I will extol the Lord at all times. <laughs> you say a million people getting killed? 
field, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That's a song of hope that I'm going to choose. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. There's no denial of being afflicted, but glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David knows what it's like to have people wanting to kill him. The king Saul wanted to kill him. His own son Absalom wanted to kill him. The Philistines wanted to kill him. David just lived in that constant threat in reality. And how did he respond? I will praise the Lord at all times. On my lips, there'll be a song of hope at all times. Peter knows what it's like. He's not writing hypothetically about persecution. He was thrown in jail. He was next to be martyred. God miraculously uh, in prison sent angels Think about Jesus. Jesus was murdered. He was honoring the Father, murdered and honoring the Father. Here's the principle. Make your praise louder than your pain. Make your praise louder than your pain. Don't let your pain consume you. We're going to open up our hearts to God. We're going to let him into the pain. We're going to be authentic. We're going to be real. But our praise, has your praise quieted? Has your praise been silent? Has your praise been missing? Have you stopped praising God in the shower? Stop praising God in the car? Have you stopped praising God at home? Have you stopped, you know, finding your song on Spotify or YouTube? Have you stopped maybe praising God at church even? You're just not praising the Lord. Praise is dried up. Praise, getting a little stingy with the praise. Why? And you're giving pain all kinds of power and disappointment power and fear power. Make your praise greater than your fear. Make your praise greater than your worry. Make your praise greater than your despair. God is worthy at all times. And when you praise God, you come alive. You're designed to magnify the Lord. Don't hold back the praise. David's not going to hold back the praise. We have a living hope. This isn't just placebo praise or, okay, it's a good principle to praise. No, we have a living hope. Jesus Christ resurrected the same yesterday, today, and forever. Six times Peter's going to talk about hope, and this hope is not empty or false or buried. There's a lot of people just grasping for hope. When, when our culture talks about hope, it's kind of like, I wish, I hope, I don't know, good intention, Sending a good thought. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is solid, real, based on facts, and the resurrected Jesus. Jesus is our hope. It's personal, relational, eternal, global. And Peter throws out this word inheritance. And and Peter's a preacher, I think, because he finds three Greek words that are really similar. And he says incorruptible means indestructible, undefiled, meaning unstained and unfading. Your inheritance, you have an inheritance. When I say inheritance, a lot of people think of, okay, what are my parents or grandparents maybe going to pass down to me when they pass? Or some people think of their retirement funds, inheritance. You know, what do I have stored up? But I'm telling you, your greatest inheritance, and it's not even close, is kept in heaven. You say, well, who keeps it? God does. Who guards it? God does. This is a military term. God watches over it. He keeps it. God is faithful. No one's going to steal it. No one's going to take it away because they're feeling like people are taking away our lives and our families. Well, no one can take away your inheritance. It's just like no one could take away the word of God. It stands forever. There's going to be critics. There's going to be skeptics. There's going to be cynics, but God preserves his word eternally. The promised land was a picture of an inheritance that they would walk into. God has prepared an inheritance for you. I just want to tell you, if you could see it right now, 
you might have a hard time staying on earth. Your heart might just be drawn to go, be with Jesus, enter in to the inheritance. And Peter's reminding them that it's not just right here and right now, you've got an inheritance. So praise God fully for who he is, for what he's doing in your life, for what you have, and greatly rejoice. Listen, when there's sound doctrine, there's sound worship. When there's sound theology, there's full praise. If there's not full praise, theology's probably off. Doctrine's probably off. Something's off with the word. Because when you understand and you know the word and you know who God is, it leads to worship. It leads to praise at all times. And so that connection is here. And Peter's encouraging them to have a song of hope. I like, even though I know from Costa Rica the audio isn't quite our usual quality, but you can't miss the heart and the message and the testimony of the man who, starting at age 14, turned to alcohol. Do you know how many people right now in our culture are trying to numb pain? Do you have any idea how many of your neighbors? You say, well, I live in a nice neighborhood. I mean, uh, most of the people in my neighborhood, we're talking six digits on the income. Do you know how many people are in pain? Do you know how many people you drive by that are in pain these days and are trying to numb the pain? They're just trying to figure out, how do I numb the pain? Do I find the right food? Can, can I get enough food? Do I drink it? Do I smoke it? What do I do to numb the pain? And this man right here was trying to numb pain until someone came in, gave him a cup of coffee. Didn't Jesus work like that? Like just meet a need, grace. Oh, cup of coffee, thank you. Is there something more than coffee? There's something much more than coffee. But now there's relationship, there's kindness. And this man is gonna hear about hope, hope to be sober. I talked to three guys that came last night, all in rehab after the service, prayed with them. There's hope. There's hope. You don't have to just play games, numb in pain, or be in denial, or live a double life, or trying to be secret. There's living hope, there's life, there's light, and it's in Jesus. To praise the Lord, to praise the Lord. It's a message our community desperately needs to hear. And I think of what Isaiah says, God, who who are you going to send? Who's going to go? And maybe you just say, God, send me with a song of hope, a message of hope. And it's challenging to say yes to God during difficult times. And that's what Peter enters into next because he's going to talk about the fire of the trials. And in verse 7, he says, These trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him right now, you believe in him, and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And the tenderness of Peter here, I think, is to say, trust God, trust that the fire is refining your faith. Trust that the fire that you feel is refining your faith. It doesn't mean what people are saying to you or how they're treating you or injustice or accusations or mean statements. It doesn't mean that's okay and God approves of that. But in that fire, trust that that fire is refining your faith. Now, think about a prospector that's digging, excavating, finding so many different things, searching for gold. And then how does he know, how does she know if there's gold? Well, you gotta take it back 
bring out the fire and let the process begin. Evaluated by fire. Fire reveals. You see clearly after the fire and the minerals collide. And what you see is that there's gold and there's dross. Do you notice there's been a lot of fire this last year? And have you noticed gold? And have you noticed dross? In your own life, maybe there's been some idols, some repentance needed. What about in our culture? There's gold and there's dross. And fire has a way of making it clear. The trial in the fire has value. The trial has value. Impurities, there's a melting off of impurities. And, you know, I'm encouraged by the repentance I see in the body of Christ because I believe revival doesn't come until there's repentance. And I believe we can't skip over repentance. Repentance is deep. But when we really turn from our sin, we really humble ourselves. That's what Peter says, obedience. Do you know what that word obedience means? It means to hear under. It means to have a fear and honor of the Lord and respect of his word. It's to come under the word and say, I trust the word. It has authority in my life. I trust Jesus as my Lord. I'm going to come under. I'm going to turn from sin. We need a fear of the Lord in the land again. <laughs> We're kind of full of ourselves quite often in America. We need a fear of, fear of the Lord in the land. It is so healthy, the repentance that's refreshing, to return to God, to return to his word, and to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's a cleansing, but it's painful. That burning off, that fire, that burning off is painful. Job went through the fire. Let's see what Job says. Job was really just kind of wondering a lot of time, where is God? Maybe you've been wondering, like, where is God right now? Job says, if I go to the east, he's not there. Don't sense him. If I go to the west, I don't find him. I, I just don't feel like I find God. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. Other people talk about what he's doing. I'm not seeing it. And when he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. Have you ever felt like that? Uh, sometimes pain has a way of just kind of blinding us and even warping our view of God. And Job's just being honest. I don't really feel God. And a lot of us, sometimes we don't feel that close to God. But here's the faith. Here's the trust. Here's the hope. But God knows the way I take. He knows me. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And that's Job's story. He trusted God. Even when he didn't see and feel God. And he came forth as gold. Your faith has greater value than gold. And maybe as you take this in, you're thinking about Peter, and you kind of say, wait a second, this author right here, I know Peter, and I know some things about his life. And if you could just sit down with Peter, maybe you'd ask him, Peter, weren't you the one who tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross? Wasn't that you, Peter, that thought the cross was a bad idea? And, uh, and he would say, yeah, Jesus rebuked me. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Uh, Jesus rebuked me. But you know what? That's where I learned about the sacrificial love of God. That's where I learned about God's sacrificial love. And you say, well, Peter, wasn't that you that like stepped out of the boat in faith and you thought you were going to walk on water and then like you took a couple steps and oh, the waves came and you, you just stared at the waves, got scared and started to sink. Wasn't that you, Peter? And he'd be like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> thought I could just walk on the water, but you know what? Man, the waves, I got scared. I was sinking. And you say, but you know what? That's where I learned in life when the trials get bigger to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's where I learned to keep my eyes on Jesus. You say, well, Peter, wasn't that you and that transfiguration? Jesus only bite a couple of you up there and he was going to show you his glory and you were like, oh, let me just build a hut. Let me just build a shack. And, and Jesus is like, no, that's not what we're doing, Peter. 
And he says, yeah, that was my bad idea. But you know what I learned then? I learned you got to do things God's way. You can't just do your thing your own way all the time. You got to listen to Jesus and align with heaven. You say, well, Peter, wasn't that you that like fell asleep? Wasn't that Gethsemane? Like just before the cross, Jesus, he, he was asking you to pray. Didn't you fall asleep? Yeah, I did. I was snoring. Not just once, not twice, the whole time, the whole time. But you know what I learned? I learned then how important prayer is. And when someone asks you to pray for them, you pray for them. And if you say you're going to pray for someone, you pray for them. And you don't miss the prayer meetings, and you pray and you get on your knees because prayer is so important. And there's a spiritual battle, and we need to pray for each other. And I learned that. I learned it. I learned from that. You say, well, well Peter, wasn't that you that got scared of that little girl? Didn't she ask you while Jesus was being crucified that aren't you the one that follows Jesus? And didn't you deny Jesus again and again and again? Weren't you intimidated by that little girl? And he says, I was. I was so intimidated. But you know what I learned? I learned that you can't have people's reactions as an idol. I learned that you can't walk around fearing other people. You've got to trust God with the results. I learned that you've got to be bold about Jesus, that you can't shrink back, that you've got to tell this world about Jesus. And if you die doing it, you die doing it. But that girl, I gave her too much power. I've been giving people too much power. I'm not giving people that much power. I'm living for Jesus. And you see, this is what he says. I've learned to focus on the Lord. I've learned to live for the Lord. I've learned to rely on the Lord. I've learned to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I learned I'm at my best when I'm trusting Jesus. I'm at my best when I'm abiding. And that's what I want. That's the life I want to live. And I've learned what's been going on. It's been a 30-year journey. But he brings this song of hope. And it's a song of authentic hope. And it's an inexpressible joy. Have you ever had so much joy with Jesus that you just, you try to sing it, but it doesn't capture it. You try to tell someone about Jesus, but you just can't tell all the good things he's done. And, and the closeness and the love that you feel. And there's this inexpressible joy. And it's overflowing. Peter's overflowing with hope. You can read the sequence in Acts chapter 4. And look, this is the same man who is silent and intimidated by people. It's the same man who declares to the crowd, full of the Holy Spirit, folks, this is not rocket science. This is, this is the Christian life. You pray, you turn from sin, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is in your life, and you lead people to Jesus. I, I mean, I know life's complex, and there's more to it than that, but I'm telling you, this is Peter's story. And Peter declares to the crowd, there's no other name given to us by which we may be saved than the name of Jesus. And you know, thousands, he's trying to tell thousands of people, people turn to Jesus. You know, the leaders, they're not happy. They look at him, Acts 4, 13, and they're kind of taking note, like this one is unschooled. This one was like an everyday fisherman, unschooled, but this one has courage because they've been with Jesus. If you've been with Jesus, you have courage. You haven't been with Jesus? You might not have courage. He's got courage. He declares it. And people are turning to the Lord, and the religious leaders are furious, and they say, you need to stop talking about Jesus. And you know what Peter says? Who are we going to obey? <laughs> are you my Lord? You're not my Lord. I'm not obeying people. I'm going to obey God. And he continues. And then he gathers together the Christians, because he's got to say, this is what's happening. Many are turning to Jesus. The body of Christ is getting, coming alive, waking up, getting bold. Many people are getting upset about this. Many of us are going to die. Okay, here's the gathering, Acts 4, 29. Many of us are going to die. Persecution's picking up, and they gather to pray. And what do they pray? God, give us boldness. 
God, give us boldness, is the prayer. You know what would just thrill my heart is if Christians gathered together right now and say, oh, there's a lot going on in the culture. What are we gonna do? There's a persecution picking up in America. Oh, what are we gonna do? And the groups of Christians just start to gather together and pray, God, give us boldness for this day. Don't let us go out silent and intimidated. Give us boldness. You say, this is Peter's story. It's anyone's story who will trust God. And the fisherman, he's now filled with hope and courage. And uh, there's a lot of things that are mysterious in life. And, and that's how this passage concludes here. Verse 10, concerning the salvation, I'm talking about the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. They searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have been preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. The principle is to embrace the mystery that leads to gratitude. There were mystery for the Old Testament prophets. This gospel, it, it says they investigated. They were intrigued. They stooped down. They leaned in. They were trying to listen to God and figure out, how would the Savior of the world die? How is the resurrection going to happen? And for us today, we celebrate and know, and it's fact, and there's evidence. This is what we know. The birth of Jesus the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the ascension of Jesus. We know this, but for them, historically, it hadn't happened yet. For us, we're in a position in 2021 where we look back and we celebrate. But you know what? We're living with a mystery as well. We're living with mystery. You say, well, where's the mystery? This is some of the mystery for me. How is the kingdom of God growing every single day? God is reaching Jews and Gentiles, people from every tribe, nation, and tongue in heaven. Uh, there's mystery. There's mystery when I open up the book of Revelation and I read about the seals, trumpets, and bowls. Have you read about those? Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. There's an intense tribulation coming to this earth in the end times. There's some mystery there as we look ahead. There's mystery when I think about the Antichrist. Is the Antichrist alive today? Who is the Antichrist? There's mystery with the end times. First Thessalonians 4, this rapture to meet the Lord in the air. There's mystery with Jesus' return. There's mystery with our heavenly bodies. What age are you going to be in your heavenly body? How much hair are some of us <laughs> going to have? This is going to be like me for a day in heaven, just kind of, you know, enjoying the hair. I think by faith I'm going to have hair in heaven. Uh, new heaven and new earth, right? So for us, there's a lot of unknowns. There's unknowns and mystery in your week this week. Who's God going to lead you to talk to, to serve, to care for, to pray for? There's mysteries in our nation right now. There's many mysteries. Paul had some unknowns. Look at Paul's response, Acts chapter 20. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. That kind of sums up for a lot of people how they're feeling right now. I just don't know what's going to happen to me. I only know, because here's a sense, God reveals things, sometimes not fully, but he gives us a sense. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, however, 
Here's my hope. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. After the service last night, there was a guy who took a picture of that and he came up to me right after and he said, that verse right there, that's what I want to be all about. That's how I want to live. That's it right there. Does that resonate with you in the middle of the uncertainty? Here's the hope. My hope and the song of hope grows. When I think in our church how uh, we have people who go to widows' homes and do yard work and repair shelves, the song of hope grows. When I think of how many families have been helped in the last year, uh, just helped through a difficult time financially, hope grows. Uh, When I think of our prayer team calling people up, praying for people, uh, hope grows. When, when I think of how many people come to church and have never read the Bible, don't have a Bible, and we give them a study Bible, hope grows. When I think of Costa Rica, when I think of literally tens of thousands of people tuned in in Pakistan, in the Middle East, in India, hope grows. When I think of people connecting, finding a church home. They're watching online and then they're coming now for the first time. They've never been in the building, but they're coming and saying, I want to be part of the church. I want to be part of the church family. We welcome with open arms and people get connected in life groups. Hope grows. We had a baptism class over Zoom. Our last baptism class were three people in the class that didn't know Jesus. And we walked through the gospel and all three said, I want this. I'm ready to put my trust in Jesus. And over Zoom, over Zoom, all three put their trust in the Lord. They're going to get baptized. We're going to have a lot of baptisms. We're going to celebrate in February. We're seeing a lot of people coming to Jesus. Hope grows when on Tuesdays over Zoom, we got about 50 people just seeking the Lord in prayer every Tuesday at noon. Hope grows. God is growing the body of Christ and the song of hope. And and here's, here's the main message. You can't control your circumstances, but you choose, you always choose your song. And someone encouraged me to share this. And uh, it's part of my story because I I want to encourage you if you feel like you're on the brink. When I was um, sick because of a prescribed medication to prevent malaria, uh, there were um, many implications and and effects of the the side effects of the drug, but one of them physically, and physically I was on that brink where I just didn't know if I was going to live and the doctors didn't know. And with my heart, it would start to beat 160 beats a minute just sitting still, tachycardia, an atrial flutter, which is a reasonably serious abnormality, a heart murmur, skipping beats, and the left side of my chest was just in pain all day and all night. I couldn't fall asleep because there was so much pain right there because my heart was beating so hard. And it was a year of that, and uh, I just didn't know if I'd live. And so much was taken away. I was struggling, like, who, who am I? And I don't even know if I'm going to live. And uh, during that time, being on the brink, what I want to say is God will meet you there. The drug did such things to my emotions that, you know, used to be even keel, but those emotions got affected by the drug and all of a sudden panic attacks. I never had just intense panic attacks, like waves of panic attacks and depression that I'd never experienced before. Suicidal thoughts would just flood in. I'm like, where are these coming from? And all these side effects, the drugs and crazy dreams. And it's like, I just felt like, am I ever going to be in my right mind? Am I ever just going to be emotionally just somewhat normal is what I felt. And I felt like I was on the brink. Am I going to lose my mind? Is this drug going to do that? And the doctors didn't know. And God will meet you there. 
And maybe you feel like in terms of your career, there's no hope or financially there's no hope or you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you're contemplating suicide and I want to tell you to live and, and your life has so much value and there's so much hope that God has for you and there's healing for the pain. There is healing for the pain. There's restoration. Jesus is real. There's a living hope. And if you feel like you're on the brink and you just don't know if you can take anymore, maybe it's in the role as a parent. Maybe it's guilt and shame that God doesn't want you to carry anymore. You just feel like you're on the brink. I want to say God will meet you there with his hope. Just receive the Lord Jesus. Receive his hope. He heals and restores. And what I wrote down that I wanted to declare is the glory of God is greater. The glory is greater than the sufferings. The Christ is greater than the challenges. He is greater. The inheritance is greater than the scars. The grace is greater than our sins. There's no comparison. The love of God is greater than the rejection and the criticism, than the gossip and the slander. The word is greater than the world. The goodness of God is greater than the disappointment. We have a living hope. Uh, Oz Guinness says Christianity is the only religion where God bears the scars of evil. God's grace, his death, his resurrection, living hope. Let's pray. Father God, thank you how you meet us where we're at. Thank you for the grace that covers our sins. Thank you for the healing and the pain we go through. Father, we pray that you would heal and you'd restore, that a song of hope would return, a song of hope would grow. God, your body, your people would come together, unite with a song of hope, Jesus. Jesus, you are our living hope. We worship you. Forgive us for being quiet. Forgive us for holding back our praise. Forgive us for our lack of belief. Forgive us for our independence and our pride. God, we humble ourselves today. May you restore, through repentance, restore the song of hope. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.